Welcome to the Making Things Podcast. In a world that can be far too complicated, we'll take a look into innovators and entrepreneurs that are making things and using technology to make life easier for the rest of us. On episode two, we'll talk with Grant Flaherty and Eric Beardsley. Grant is the president and CEO of Aleph Objects, and Eric is the product marketing manager. In this episode, we'll talk about the advantages of operating with open hardware and free software, getting customer feedback, and answer the question, can 3D printing really be used for production parts? And much, much more. If you are in the manufacturing space, then you will get a lot of value from this podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining me, Grant and Eric. Um, first of all, uh, I'd like you guys to tell everyone a little bit about yourselves, um, your backgrounds, um, and for those who, who may not already know, uh, what is Lulzbot? My name is Grant Flaherty. I'm the president and CEO of Aleph Objects. And Aleph Objects has a brand, Lulzbot, of 3D printers. And those are known throughout the world. Um, we've done a lot of uh, branding with it. The company itself is, is really not known. We go to trade shows, Eric and I, and we talk about Aleph Objects, and people are like, you know, who? And then you show them the thing as Lulzbot. Oh, yeah, the printers. Yes, <laughs> definitely. So... Anyway, a little bit about my background. My background, uh, I was uh, came up through technology. I was with Motorola forever, went through Qualcomm's Meteoric Rise. And then after that, I actually went to work for 3D Systems. And 3D Systems was the first and the founding members of this industry. And, and I became the president of 3D Systems and uh, bought a few companies and merged it together. And then I retired for a while and then came back out of retirement. And I, uh, I bought a big ranch up in northern Wyoming and had fun. And then got into um, plastic manufacturing with extrusion for seven years. And uh, we sold off the big company, Battenfeld. And right after that, I came here. I'm the president and CEO. And I want to introduce Eric Beardsley. My name is Eric Beardsley. Uh, I've been on with the company for about three years now. Um, currently the product marketing manager. Uh, my background previous was just kind of in uh, software. Okay. Uh, I actually didn't know anything about 3D printing before I came on board. Um, but when I did, I, I super engaged from day one. They, they set a 3D printer on your desk and they said, have at it. And so then it kind of, the rest is history. And that's one of the fun things, and when you walk around, you'll actually see on almost everybody's desk, including in the manufacturing stuff, almost everybody's desk is a 3D printer. And you really get to see the personality of the people, too, because they're printing out all kinds of different objects and, and, and just set them out, and you can see what they're really into and stuff. And then, obviously, inside the product marketing, product planning, things like this, we put additional printers out there, so they're actually going through and being the guinea pigs on the yep. alpha testing, the beta testing, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I've seen in manufacturing that's so helpful is just uh, getting out there and using the products, you know. Exactly. For, for people, um, you know, doing marketing, some companies you, you might not get get the chance to touch your, uh, your, your product too much, so that's really cool that you're able to uh, leverage that and get experience with the, the products that you're trying to sell. Right. right. And when you say that, um, I think there's a... A moment of kind of realization when people actually buy these 3d printers usually they'll buy it for one application 
um, and start using it for that. But then three to six months down the road, you realize that, oh, I can use it for prototyping. I can use it for production. I can use it. And it just kind of grows and grows in terms of how much you can actually use additive manufacturing for um, within a, a company. Right. Right. Times are almost limited to, to your creativity and how you can yes. use it. So. If, you can, if you can dream it, you can build it. Right. That's our, that's our phrase. You know? yeah. So uh, another thing that uh, stands out about uh, you as a, as a company is your open software. Um, could you could you speak to that? And so let me let me or, let me correct you on that okay. one. Okay, sorry. So, no, 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 no. It, you're absolutely correct. Open software, but it's actually free software, and okay. it's a, but it's it's open hardware, right? And and free software, and so what we, what we have is we have a founder Jeff Mo, who who actually was was has been in software forever, and um, is a firm believer in having the open software, having free software, and, and pushing very, very hard on the open nature. And so his entire philosophy carries us forward in Absolutely. this. But let me state that by doing this, what we have is we have a community of users throughout the entire world. And what I want you to think about is when you open this hardware up and you open the software up and you allow them to use any materials they want through this thing, then they actually go through and they'll modify the hardware, they'll modify even the software, and then they'll give it back to us and say, hey, look what we've done and look at this material that we're utilizing and oh my gosh, it's a high tent material. It's it's peak, it's ultimate, it's this. And take NASA, NASA going through and actually saying, okay, I'm going to use lights and heat up the chamber and so we can go through and print peak and so, and we're going to use that in our shuttle launches and so by doing this, they come out and they say, okay, here's the changes that we made. Here's the changes you should look at making. We can make those. So think about it this way. You've got an entire community out through the whole world who is going to be your R&D team, right? Yeah, and so it just it, it is so interesting to get these things back. And Eric and I are currently working with some others in here on, on the dental market. And we have a dentist who actually wants to see the FFF or fused deposition modeling, the extrusion-based systems come in because right now it's all stereolithography in right. all the dental labs. And he's like, you guys could make this so much easier, so much cheaper, so much faster by going through and using this. And so he is a dentist. He actually speaks at all these places all over the world. So now he's working with us and he's doing all these modifications on it to get us into that dental market. Absolutely. And just to expand on that, it's really breaking away from like the, the single great thinker model and kind of expanding it, expanding it around the globe. Um, we've had our printers modified to print chocolate, and I saw a pizza 3D printer. Um, but one of the even cooler applications that um, have recently come up and we're going to be um, kind of releasing it here this summer is bioprinting. Um, someone that specializes kind of in bioprinting, they are was focused on the material side. They needed someone that makes a great, reliable 3D printer to kind of handle the hardware side. And so um, they made modifications, they gave it over to us, and um, we're taking that torch and running with it. 
And so instead of an extruder on that one, you actually have a syringe pump. And so it looks like a regular needle syringe. It's got a 20-gauge needle on it, and you actually will use it with a gear, and you're going to push that down. And so then you're going to print collagens or alginates, and a collagen is nothing more than like Botox, right? Right, right? And it's a bovine base. But what you're going to do is you're going to print that into a into a live um, support in a petri dish, and you'll print out a heart valve, and out of uh, it, and you can so you can scan a heart, and you can print the exact valve that's needed to be done, right? And with the with the alginates, we're doing mimics of of veins and arteries and things like this with alginates, and actually you can push liquids through. So right. Really neat stuff. Yeah. So so with the supports on that, do you just pull? So the, there is the no support because okay. what you're doing is, like I said, you're you're printing it into a petri dish of right. of a material sure. that is is um, semi viscous and it's almost like a hair gel thickness. And so the needle goes through it and just lays it into it, and it'll reform around it as the needle goes back and forth. And then as soon as you're done with your print, you heat that up to 30 degrees C, 35 degrees C, and it becomes fully liquid, and wow. you pour it out, and you're holding the part in your hand. That's crazy. Yes. So on like the, the conventional, you build up a structure to support additive sure. manufacturing or a support. Um, it's basically it's suspended permanently in the gel until you... Um, heat that gel up and release it back, or it becomes this liquid. Yeah. yeah, and then you pour it out. And we're doing this in conjunction. This it was in conjunction with uh, Carnegie Mellon University. Okay. And so we're actually jointly launching uh, this particular thing, and you'll see more on it very shortly. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited to yeah. see more. Yes. Yeah, I can definitely see how having that that uh, open hardware and free software is, you know, really valuable. Getting that customer feedback loop and you right. know, shortening it up. And also just feedback. also the material side of it, which you can't emphasize enough. Some of these already you can you can go with the material of, of your choice and put in it. Others you can't. I mean, some of the biggest guys in the market don't allow you to use anybody's material but their own, right? Right. And so the more material that's out there, the better off we'll all be. Absolutely. Uh, so we talked a little bit about the, the bio 3D printers. Um, could you speak to uh, kind of the, the craziness that surrounds launching three new printers all in the same year? And so let me just say that, that one of the things we're going to do is we're going to launch four printers. Four printers, okay. And, and, and a year. And what we'll do is we'll launch another four printers next year. Okay. And, and so we're on, on track. And one of the things that, that we've just recently done and just announced last week and is, is that... We are moving um, in a in a faster direction than we have in the past, with things with things out in the community. And so what we're doing is is I've taken the CTO and I've asked him to head up the R side of R and D specifically, and to go out onto the road and spend about fifty percent of his time on the road and see the people in the community out there. And he actually flew out today and he's meeting with a guy tomorrow who is one of the biggest in the in the change field, and it's Joshua Pierce at Michigan Institute of Technology, and they've got like thirty 
of our printers. They've modified them for everything under the sun. And he's meeting with him tomorrow all day just to go through, hey, here's all the things that we've been doing. We've put lights in your system. We've changed your software for this. So we've changed it and we've got photography in it. So you can say, okay, this layer should have done this. This is what the photography says it actually did. Now you can go back and modify the software and change the next layer coming down. Wow. This kind of stuff they're already working on and doing. So why reinvent it when they've already done it? Absolutely. So he's going out and doing that. So the ability to utilize more and more and more um, with all these people's hard work and they want it to, to be in there. So going out and doing this and capturing it. So the speed that we're going to go is going to continue to increase. And this is the biggest path forward. And, and to speak on that a little bit more, one thing that enables that is kind of the use of our 3D printers um, to test these. Uh, when you cut out kind of lead times, tooling costs, and stuff like that, you're able to move a lot quicker um, in kind of product design. Mm -hmm. And so we use it for rapid prototyping and for manufacturing. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Right. Um, but one of the other things uh, that I want to say is, is so this year you've noticed that we've brought out, you know, a, a the next version of our TAS, which was TAS 6. That was our biggest uh, um, selling uh, printer so far. And also we've won 82 different awards on that printer last year. And everybody was calling it, the workhorse, you know, uh, printer. So we brought out the next round of it, and we call it the workhorse. Right. And and it came out, and it's about ten percent faster, ten percent bigger. It's it's quieter, um, it's a little more accurate, and it's kind of everything that the people wanted is is what we're doing. But the military really drove a lot of the changes associated with that one. And then we brought out a the pro model, which is the first truly linear actuated dual head and it really moves the heads out of the way of each other so you don't get any drag across and so it's really for multiple materials not just for a single material with support right, right. and so it is it's a little more complex machine um, and it's geared towards the engineering community the professional community and and they can go and then the bioprinter and then we'll have another one coming out before the end of the year Right after the beginning of the year, we're going to have around the end of Q1, somewhere in there, we're going to have our first true big industrial printer coming out, and we're looking at having multiple heads on that particular one, and it'll be much larger size. So when you when you say multiple, is it, is it three? It's going to be, it'll be three or more. Okay. okay? <laughs> I'm excited. And it'll be expandable. Very cool. Yes. Okay. Are there any particular industries that you see this... Um, I, I mean, from a, from an additive manufacturing standpoint, there's a lot of industries right. that this will this will help in automotive, aerospace. I mean, or two that will just come out immediately. But I mean, you you casting. I mean, you just name it. I mean, yeah. you you'll be able to utilize it. Something that we'll often say is like it's easier to find to define how you can't use additive manufacturing than all the applications that you actually can. Sure. Right. Very cool. And we're finding more and more of these clusters, what we call clusters, and other people call print farms, you know, like Daimler Chrysler. I mean, Daimler Chrysler, it's just Daimler now. So Daimler, I was just over there just about a month ago, and, and they have these print farms inside, and so they're utilizing our equipment now in there. But if we look at, at this, it was like just today, I was upstairs, and this uh, a woman had ordered some more 
of our workhorse models, and she has now ordered five of them. It's like, what are you doing? And she's (laughs) in Halstead, Kansas, and she actually has a little print farm set up, and and, and there was a picture on Instagram, and they got like 13 of these printers. They're adding five more. They're working 24 hours a day, five days a week, making cookie cutters. Really? Cookie cutters. You know, and they're and, and it's just okay. And there's another woman in Texas who's doing the exact same thing. She's making cookie cutters, and it's like, wow, this is really cool. But they're all you know individual ones. So hey, you want it to look like you know sure. your dog or whatever, or, you know. So you got a a cookie cutter now, and you just get them and they make them, send them out, and that's really cool. That I mean, really there's cool. a guy that uh, you know sent us all Christmas presents this year, and that was. A guy named Cade Made, a company Cade Made, and he's actually in Iowa, but he ships all of his product into Colorado because with the legalization of cannabis, mm-hmm. he's actually making custom bongs really? and and uh, and their pipes and bongs, and he actually has gone so far as to get his own machine, his own extruder, to make his own filament. And he's got tie-dyed filament, and he's making tie-dyed bongs and things like this. We'll show you those when you leave. Yeah. They're downstairs. That is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But he's got 35 of these running 24 hours a day just making this stuff, right? There's a guy just down in Colorado Springs, 26 machines making parts for motocross bikes. And he's just like in case, you know, because you break parts all the time. Yep. And it's like, hey, I just remake the parts. Right. So, anyway. Right. We can go on all day with those stories. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that kind of leads into um, what my next question, which was uh, 3D printers as a viable option to production uh, manufacturing. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you guys use the printers to uh, produce your own parts as well? Yes, we do. And, and in fact, and I think Eric just mentioned a little bit ago, but in our uh, cluster, our print farm that we have over there, we've got almost 200 printers now running 7 by 24. And inside of there, um, we have now, back in March, we eclipsed 4 million parts that we have made in that cluster. And so when we look at it, I mean, every one of the printers that we make we actually make parts in those printers. And and so now we're using ABS and polycarbonates uh, to go into those printers. And with the last two printers that came out with, we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 65% of all sub-assemblies have parts made on printers going into the printers right. themselves. Yes. And so you'll find about 35 up to about 45 different parts that are 3D printed on the 3D printers? Mm-hmm. Um, it's great because it allows people to modify, fix, um, mm-hmm. do whatever they want with these, these designs. Right. Um, but uh, on, the, on the manufacturing side, utilizing 3D printing is great because, I, I mean, to a degree, you don't have to carry a lot of inventory no. um, because you can fire these things up very quickly. Um, I personally, I'll, I'll print you can do a change order in a hurry too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on demand parts, on demand um, basically. Parts. So I, I mean, I'll say sell things myself using mm-hmm. my three D printers at home. Mm-hmm. I'll post them on eBay and stuff like that. And anytime anyone orders, I can hit print. And sure. um, that's not just me. I actually, I've I've learned that from quite a few of our customers. Right. Just just put it online, see if people like the product, and then then you're able to move forward from there. Right. And really utilize that customer feedback, like you said, making changes on the fly. Right. Yep. Very, uh, yes. 
very agile. Right. So what uh, have been some of the biggest challenges that you guys have seen uh, with some of these new products um, as far as, um, you know, uh, with, with the bio? Um, was there anything in particular that um, was a little bit difficult? Well, I mean, I, w- I will say that, yes, it's very difficult. And, yeah, right. You know, and, it's a new industry. And, well, it's a completely new industry, yeah. and it's completely, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not pushing a polymer, you know, through a hot extruder, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it is something that, that none of us had done. Right. And um, there was the CTO, myself, the head of product planning, um, had gone out and sat down with the uh, Carnegie Mellon uh, yep. people and, you know, kind of went through what they had been doing, saw what they have been doing, worked with them on some of the stuff, took some of their stuff, and then we modified that and came up with a more robust, solid uh, piece. But even with that, you're sitting down going, okay, now we start plunging through. Okay, well, how come it doesn't look like theirs? How come this doesn't work like that, right? right. And so, you know, we, we got a couple of them to come out and spend some time with us and improve that process. And so we now know quite a bit more about the actual printing of the collagens, printing of the alginates, and how the support material really does work. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, it's complete, completely different. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. As well as the industry, I, yes. I mean, yeah. it's such a new industry that's like, it's not like you can go out there and find bioprinting devoted publications or right. trying podcasts. To, trying or, to benchmark is right. it's difficult. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. But really interesting stuff because uh, if you look at the bioprinting market, and this is what most people don't realize. Um, people are thinking about it as the regenerative side of it, right? Because already you can use these things and make some ACLs, you know, ligaments, things like this uh, out there. You can do some hard valves. But that is the smallest piece sure. of the bioprinting. The largest piece of the bioprinting is actually pharmacological. Okay. And so it's the big farm companies are out there actually utilizing this equipment to make different organs so they can test their drugs on them and see how it's going to work. Wow. The second largest is cosmetology. And so they're actually going through and using these to make skin and to make irises, your eyes, and things so they can say, okay, when you put the makeup on, it's going to do this, the wow. skin so it can do this, so that you don't have the issue of, you know, putting it on animals and stuff like that. So you're making your own skin. So you need two different syringes to be able to make skin. So the third largest is actually the medical device company and going through and making arteries and making veins and things like this and allowing the medical device companies to go through and test their medical devices and see if they work or not, Then comes the regenerative part, clear down there at the bottom. But so this printer that we're coming out with and the printers that we'll continue to come out with in this line will all hit every one of those different markets. Sure. And I think the the closest to um, being viable option and kind of being utilized today is going to be the pharmaceutical. Mm-hmm. I think on average it takes about a billion dollars to move into clinicals. Right. Um, and then you run a high risk of um, failing those clinicals just because it's you test it on animal and not actually human cells. Um, and so this is um, that's where the real impacts you'll see them first. And then obviously down the road we'll we'll be moving into um, actually bioprinted uh, organs and mm-hmm. kind of body parts uh, 
And so one of the things you take a look at is this industry itself, the bio side of it, the bioprinting is actually going to be a seven to eight billion dollar industry within the next five years. Right. So a tremendous amount of growth. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Great for uh, the consumer and great for you as well. That's yes. Very exciting. Uh, so you talk about uh, having four new printers this year, mm-hmm. four next year. Mm-hmm. What's next? You know, that, that's, a, that's a lot. That's a, a high bar to set. <laughs> that is very, it is a very high bar to set. And, and we're looking at uh, what are the different things that are, are currently um, out there that aren't being done that, that really everybody's trying to break into, right? And so you take a look at, like, the high-temp materials, the peaks, the altums, you know, things like that. Um, you also take a look at there's so much money going into metal printing right now. Yep. I mean, General Electric, uh, you know, Hewlett-Packard. I mean, not I mean, 3D systems, Stratasys, everybody's already in that. Then you've got, you know, all these smaller metal guys who have come on board and are just capturing literally, you know, like hundreds of millions of dollars of investments and everything yep. into them to actually be able to go and compete against these guys. And so from the metal side of things, we're already into the metal side of it, but we're going to start moving more in the metal and offer up different solutions, everything from, and, and I would say the bar is open to say, would it be just utilizing extrusion-based or would we look at light-based type things too? Lasers, you know, just like selective laser centering, SLA, all these different types of of things we'll take a look at and see what's out there or a combination thereof, those things, right? And I think you're also going to start looking at the ability to go through and utilize both additive and subtractive in the same piece of equipment, right? And so you can already envision utilizing if you're using a robotic arm and you've got multiple heads putting materials down and looking at a head that'll go through with a camera and and say okay well this one is this layer is off just a little bit here I can hit a little you know high rpm little mini milch and sure. go in and clean that off and then hit it back and do it enough time that uh, you know it won't cool down so you'll still get your you know, Z-layer adhesion, but uh, anyway, all those things are things that are being looked at, right? Yeah. And being worked on all through the industry. And to expand on that a little bit, I think just in the market as a whole, what you will see is some of these technologies that were once reserved for $50,000 plus machines. Up to a million dollars. Yes, we'll move down into kind of the the market space that we operate, the anywhere from 3000 up to $10,000. Um, you saw this before where a 3D printer used to cost, what, six figures? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Just to do simple prototyping. Just a little prototyping. Yeah, now, now these days you can um, get uh, a Lulzbot 3D printer, throw it on your engineer's desk, and they're doing everything from prototyping to jigs to fixtures to in-use manufacturing right there. Yep. Yeah, I know uh, for me it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, get all your bad ideas out of the way. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I have plenty of those. So being yeah. able to, to get those out in the morning and by the afternoon, I can take a Sharpie, go out to production floor and mark up a part, come back and, uh, you know, have, have a working part by the morning is, is mm-hmm. super important. Yes. Yes. And also for, and I'll just say this, for companies that, you know, and people don't think about it this way, but companies that are across the world and be able to, hey, I'm just going to work on this over here and I've done it and then now 
I can send it. And, you know, it's out there. It's been done for a long time. But I'm going to send it over to Finland, and I'll have them print it out, and they'll know exactly what we're talking about. When we have our meeting tomorrow, everybody's holding the exact same part in their hand, right? right. And this is the change that we're looking at making, you know? And, right. And you can just envision that through any type of material, any type of uh, industry. You know? Right. Yeah, and once, once uh, the, the supports aren't as big of an issue, that um, that, that communication of right. how are we going to print this part starts to go away. Yes, right? it does. Yes, it does. So uh, tr- I know you guys are uh, recently transitioning into other countries, uh, as you, you mm-hmm. talked about being able to, to send parts uh, overseas. How, how has that affected uh, things like your, your supply chain, uh, your marketing so all of those things are affected. Um, right. In fact, Eric and I were just discussing today on the new website uh, uh, that we're rolling out. You know, we're going to come out with different languages, and so it means sure. German, you know, um, French, Spanish. Those will be the next three, you know, that are going to come out and and being able to make the changes. And obviously, for this company operating in in those areas is different. I opened up the the corporation, and then it actually opened two corporations and. In the Netherlands, one of them is a holding company, so I can open up more corporations throughout Europe and have those roll up and go through it, right? And so then when we take a look at it, obviously dealing in different currencies and, and working those through, um, dealing with the import-export of, of all the different parts into the different countries, all those things, warehousing, all this kind of stuff is completely new, you know, in, in certain regards. Some of the things they've already been doing, I mean, we have a corporation in Australia, and they've been, you know, just utilizing a 3, 3PL to handle, you know, we'll ship directly to Australia, handle it through a 3PL and go. Same way with the 3PL up in, uh, in Toronto, and there was one in the UK. But now we're actually operating these on our own, and so it'll be as a completely different uh, setup. Right. And I think one of the, so I can speak more to the marketing side, right. and I, I think one of the biggest challenges for, for most people is kind of localization of your marketing. Um, the way that I market our product here in the U.S. isn't going to work that the same way when I go over to Europe. Uh, take, for example, trade shows, like mm-hmm. uh, hospitality within the booth is very large there. Sure. They, they don't want you to scan their badge. Um, just sit there, have a beer, have a coffee with me. And let's talk about 3D printers, whereas here in the United States, um, everyone's very transactional. Just scan my badge, send me some information. I got a couple questions, uh, and, then I'm, and then I'm done. Right. It's a totally different culture. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, it's yeah. it's important. Yes, it is. Very important. Of the, the things that I wanted to, to start with the podcast is um, question of the podcast. So something that has been on your guys' mind lately, uh, whether that's related to the industry or uh elsewhere um, that, that you'd like to ask um, that, that you feel is important? That we would like to ask? Yeah, right. What's, not, what's something that you guys have had on your mind that... Um, um, I guess I'd, I'd say it's something that I have on my mind in terms of additive manufacturing is challenging all those people uh, that have been manufacturing products or developing products to get out there and try new processes like 3D printing. One thing that you'll see is sometimes people get stuck in their ways, like we've always done it this way, and it's worked. Um, right. And then, then when you kind of open up to like something like additive manufacturing, like 
the ability to innovate and grow becomes exponential because you kind of unhook yourself from people that are marking up uh, just simple prototypes and um, lead times and kind of just it makes it exponential for for these people to grow Um, as well as it also kind of reduces the barriers for people to even get a company off the ground Um, before it takes huge capital investments um, but these days with a, a simple 3d printer you can have an idea and a 3d printer you print that out, um, you can take it to people, you can post it on the internet. Um, next thing you know, you got a couple of eBay purchases. Um, right. Then you need to expand to another 3D printer. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen people start a company with just a 3D printer and a good idea. And right. they just found something that that struck a, struck a nerve or it just hit a right channel. And, right. and they grow exponentially from that. And I'm going to echo everything that Eric said, and I would also say that, um, you know, I've been around this industry for a long time, I've been around plastic for a long time, and and one of the things that I would really, if I was going to look at it, is say, um, who out in the community, you know, inside of 3D printing, in any variant of it, be it stereolithography, centering, multi-jet modeling, anything like that, who really would like to um, team up and, and go after some completely new processes that, that haven't been tried yet? And, and, you know, sit down and look at some of these things because I, I think that there's going to be things where you're going to have an extruded piece and a UV curable piece in the exact same piece of equipment utilizing, you know, either the centering approach with lasering or a photoreactionary with, you know, photosynthesis reaction with uh, SLA or something like that. But who wants to sit down and go and and look at all of the potential that we could uh, really come up with in in this area? And I know there's variants of it already out there, but there's going to be a tremendous amount more. And now that you can look at the syringe pump side and a, a extrusion side and all the light with it, the sky's the limit. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that uh, that, that barrier to entry, um, that upfront cost, like you said, you know, you have, you have a good, good idea in a printer and right. you, you might have something uh, really breeds innovation. Um, looking at, at things like software um, and how that's changed the internet and um, you know being able to be flexible and getting people connected creating that community mm-hmm. um, like you guys are doing is is pretty incredible so, right right so uh, that's pretty much all I have for questions uh, okay. do you guys have uh, any any closing remarks um, no uh, I was just gonna say if you'd like to learn more about Lulzbot 3d printers um, lulzbot.com uh, is our website as well as reach out to our, our awesome sales team um, they're available seven days a week and um, when you actually reach out to us everyone knows 3D printing because we each have a, a 3D printer on our desk so no question is kind of too right. far left field in terms of us being able to tackle and answer your questions so I delivered with a couple of different things and one is it's, it is obviously an exciting time for us and, and we're growing fast and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of activity going on. But one of the things that, that I will say is 
you know, our largest market um, has been education forever. And, and inside of Colorado, we put a lot of uh, printers into schools. And every single Friday, we do a open house. Okay. And so we have kids come in from every school district all over. They'll bus them up here and come in, and, right. and it is great. We give a tour of the facility. We actually show them the, this little sample room. We do the stuff. We give all the kids a little uh, packet and stuff. And I would like to actually encourage that and, and continue to have more and more come. And it's funny because there's more and more people that aren't in the schools that are coming on the Friday tours too, and just continue to encourage that, continue to take a look at it, continue to see what's out there, and get hold of us if you got any ideas. Uh, we'll be glad to work with you on anything. Very cool. Uh, one last thing, uh, mm -hmm. do you guys have any favorite book recommendations that you'd like um, to give? <laughs> I don't know if I got one. No, I mean, I, it is funny because I, I read I read a, a business book about once a year. Okay. I read religiously almost every single day before I go to bed. Um, and and I read everything from, you know, true stuff to, to you know, nonfiction to whatever. Um, and I, I vary it quite a bit. But I try and... and, and release my mind from the work by doing that kind of a deal. Absolutely. So I don't want to actually read a business book to, you know, before I uh, go to bed. Because then I, you're I like, you. oh gosh, now I'm going to have to do this. i got to do this. Oh gosh, I haven't done this. I haven't done this. So right. Anyway, mine is more, uh, more fun. But I, I really, um, I love reading, you know, all about, uh, you know, the different wars going back, like the Civil War documentaries, like the Michael Saharas and some of these, and you know, just really looking at how people thought out the different things as right. far as the war goes. Stuff, you know, a lot of the historical stuff, the Lewis and Clark adventures, you know, all different types of history. And I've been in you know more than a hundred countries around the world, and I like to look and read about you know the different countries and how you know their cultures were really formed and what changed them, what really made them different. And so I read a lot. Very cool. Well, thanks again. Yes. Uh, Grant, Eric, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Um, look forward to hearing more from Lowspot. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, guys.